Please turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, as we pick up on our study through this book. It's also printed for you in your order of service. We'll be looking at verses 8 through 14 with God's help, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. What you're about to hear now is the very word of God. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Praise God for his holy word. Now traveling back to Ephesus in your mind, it's been a few weeks, maybe traveling back in your Bibles. uh, You'll remember that Ephesus, this city, Paul is writing this letter to you. The church in a city that's full of idolatry and sexual immorality. It's a city... So when Paul first traveled there, you see in Acts chapter 19, a city that's very dark. And I know some of you have traveled to places in the world as I have, uh, places that are filled with darkness of idolatry and, and, uh, and sin. Uh, maybe Japan, maybe Thailand, maybe Taiwan, uh, maybe Tibet. You've been to some of these places, you've seen them as I have, covered in idols and shrines full of religious practices, festivals, superstition. As I've toured some of these famous temples and shrines, if you've been there, you can feel the darkness, can't you? You can feel the spiritual darkness covering that place. Well, Ephesus is that kind of place, spiritually dark, such that you can feel it. The dark arts blanketed that city. I mean, just think, if you remember some of the things that Paul saw when he was there. Jewish exorcists, Jewish sorcerers, uh, silversmiths that made their livelihood off uh, shrines and idols for uh, pagan worship. There's the Temple of Artemis. That was one of the seven wonders of the world at that time. Plus all the people, not to mention, who spent loads of money on things like magic scrolls, talismans, uh, spells, formulas... All these sorts of things, including also sacred stones that people worship. I mean, this is filled with darkness and idolatry. But it's out of this world and this life that the Ephesian Christians have been called. They've come out of that darkness and are now living as Christians in a very dark city. So as we begin to dive into this passage today, you can see that Paul is concerned about Ephesian Christians 
That they're, how are they going to live? How are they going to live in such a dark place? He's aware it's very difficult to be a Christian in such a city. A city where sin is promoted and indulged in. A city where it's a struggle every single day to remain a faithful Christian. When you're in a minority in a very busy city full of sin and darkness. As we work through this passage today, know then that God is also aware of how difficult it is for you today, 2023, to live in a mega city in this world, a minority Christian city filled also with much darkness. God knows, and Paul, his words are so comforting here because we need to know how to remain faithful in such a context today as the church. In fact, this is a wake-up call. These words that Paul's writing to the Ephesians and to us, a wake-up call to remember what our mission is. And so, church, I want you to take away this from this passage today. Paul's message to the Ephesians and to us is this. God's mission for the church is to expose sin and shine the light of Christ. God's mission for his church is to expose sin and shine the light of Christ. There's three ways that I want to look at that this morning. There are three parts to this passage. The first part we can find in verses 8 through, 8 through 10. It's first, our mission requires us to shine the light of Christ. Notice Paul reminds them that of that here again in verse 8. He starts off by saying, For at one time you were darkness. Darkness meaning What? You think back to what Paul said in, earlier in Ephesians 2, darkness meaning that you are dead in your sins and trespasses, right? You're following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, darkness and sin, blind uh, to God. Under his condemnation and wrath, that's what being in darkness means. But now, Paul says here in verse 8, that's not you anymore, Christian. What does he say? You're not darkness, you're light in the Lord. Notice there, Paul doesn't say you are light, period. He says you are light in the Lord. And then he says just after that, you are children of the light. So if you're a Christian, he's saying you are united to Jesus Christ, your Savior, and you're so united to him that you're reflecting him and his glorious light of salvation. So you know what Jesus said about himself, right? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who comes to me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You're reflecting the light of Christ if you are a Christian. It's kind of like this, as I heard one pastor put it one time. When Jesus was in the world, he was the light of the world, right? He was the shining sun. And as Jesus left this world and ascended into heaven, the sun was descending, right? What, is, what happens after the sun descends? The moon arises. The moon doesn't have any light of its own. It reflects the sun. Well, so too you as a church, as a Christian. It's a picture. The moon is a picture of you in the church reflecting the light of Christ onto this world. And so Paul says, walk as children of that light. You walk. You live differently. Your manner, your purpose, your focus is different than the world around you. You're not walking in darkness and ignorance. You have an aim. You have a path. You have a goal. 
And so Paul's saying, you must be different because you have that mission to walk according to reflecting the light of Christ to an unbelieving and lost world. And what does that look like? To shine the light of Christ? How do you do that? Paul gives us two ways, if you notice this. There's two ways that you can shine as the light of Christ or what this means. Look again at verse 9. Paul tells us, he says, shining the light is shown by what you do. It's shown by what you do. It's quite interesting, Paul says here in verse 9, because uh, he, uh, he says in verse 9 here that the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. You need to do what's good and right and true. What is that? Well, Paul, if you've been following along, has already explained what that is in the previous paragraphs. If you go back and look Paul's teachings or maybe remember or refresh your mind, as we went through, what does it look like to be a Christian? Paul reminds us to put off the old self, right, and put on the new It's a picture of what it means to live according to what is good and right and true. So Paul says, put off, put off stealing, put off lying, put off murderous anger, uh, put off um, a bitter heart and malice and spite, put off corrupting talk, put off sexual immorality and so on. Instead, put on the new self in Christ, right? So if you're in Christ... You're showing fruit of that. As Jesus says, if you're in me, you know, I am the vine. You're the branches. If you're in me, you will bear much fruit. So you will, instead of being a liar, you'll be a truth teller. Instead of being um, bitter and angry, you'll be forgiving. Instead of being, instead of being full of sexual immorality, you'll be chaste and pure. Instead of stealing, you're going to work with honest labor, right? These are all things of putting on Christ and what it means to do what is right and true and good. As a Christian, you're called then. Be a light, meaning bear fruit. Listen to Paul's teachings that have just come of what it means to put on Christ. And by doing so, you will be a shining a light to the world around you. But also, if you're going to be shining the light, it's not just what you do. It's also about who you please. Did you see that? in verse 10. Part of being what it, what it means to be a light is just, you have a different focus, a different master, if you will. Paul says in verse 10, it's you're trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You're trying to discern, you're trying to know, you're trying to seek out, you're trying to, 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 to pursue what about my life is going to please God? And what, I, and what I'm doing right now, is it going to please God? And what I plan to do in the weeks ahead, the months ahead, is it pleasing Him? Am I, am I living for Him? And so notice, the Christian life is not just about outward behavior. If someone grows up in the church, hears preaching week in and week out, studies their Bible and thinks, I'm going to live a pretty good life. I've never killed anybody. You know, I've never uh, robbed a bank. I'm a good person. Or maybe somebody comes to church here and they sit and often attend our services and they think, you know, Christianity is just about being the good person. I'm just going to do the right thing. And as long as I do that, then I'm set, right? No. That's not right. That's not what the Bible teaches. Paul reminds us of that here. As someone who's in Christ's, 
who really knows him and is reflecting him is not just doing good things, although that's fruit of good work, a fruit of being united to Christ, but also have a different heart. Your heart is changed. You're no longer living for yourself, no longer trying to please self. That's what the world does, right? The world says, how can I get more money? How can I be more sexually gratified? How can I have more prestige? How can I be comfortable? That's all self-focused. Paul reminds us here the Christian, though, is not self-focused. The Christian is God-focused. What can I do that pleases the Lord? The Christian is someone who's motivated by his or her desire to please an incomparable God. God, as someone once said, being the greatest good must have our greatest love. God being the greatest perfection must have our greatest affection. A Christian is someone who's excited to use his or her gifts and opportunities to please God and give glory to him. What does that, what does that look like? Well, one way it looks like, is, uh, as reminded of this, is Casper uh, Ten Boom. Anybody know the name Corey Ten Boom? I know some of you know. You've read her book, The Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom and her family lived in, during, before, after World War II in the Netherlands. And during that time, they hid Jews in their home. Well, in her book, The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom shares about her father, Casper, who was a watchmaker. They had a watchmaking and repair shop in Harlem in the Netherlands. Corey Ten Boom shares one time about how their family was going through a very financially unstable time. They're actually in dire straits, not doing very well at all. And she shares about one time this man, a very wealthy man, comes into their shop. Comes in, he starts looking around all the watches, and then he suddenly picks out one of the most expensive watches in their shop. And Corey's thinking, this is great. This man buys this watch. It's going to solve our financial problems for quite a while. So sure enough, the man buys the watch. And as Casper Ten Boom is counting and handling the money from the sale, the man buying the watch shares, just sort of in passing, says, oh yeah, I'm buying this new watch because... This other watchmaker that I went to wasn't able to repair it. Casper Ten Boom just sort of stops counting the money and he says, I, I know that watchmaker. Can I see the watch? Looks at the watch, opens it up, does a little fixing of the watch, puts it back together and says, hey, there's, it's like new again. Says that was a little mistake, but I know that watchmaker, I know he's a good watchmaker. So here's what I'm going to do. I fixed your watch. Here's your money back. Now you give me my watch back. Corey was horrified. And after the man left, she said, you know, Father, how could you have done that? That would have earned us a ton of money. We would have been out of our bad financial situation. She started railing at her dad a little bit. And her dad said to her, Corey... What do you think that young watchmaker who wasn't able to fix the watch, what do you think he would have said when he heard that one of his good customers had gone to Mr. Ten Boom? Do you think that the name of the Lord would have been honored? And he says, as for the money, Corey, trust in the Lord. After all, cattle on a thousand hills belong to the Lord. Sure enough, later on, another man came in at another point in time and bought their most expensive watch. 
But the point is, Caspar Ten Boom was a man who lived in every single way that he could to please God and not himself, to make sure that God's name was honored and not his own. And so Christians delight in doing the same, radiating the goodness of God, pleasing him, so that when others look at us, they get a taste. They get a a sparkle, if you will. They get a small mirror from our lives of the divine illumination for others to see. And that's true in your life as well. That if you are a Christian, if you truly are in Christ, in some way, shape, or form, you are a light in the Lord. Now, some days, maybe you don't feel that. Um, maybe you're like Moses coming down from the mountain after being with God, and his face is radiating, and the people see it, and they can't even approach him. You know, Moses didn't even know his face was radiating. He had no idea, actually. Maybe some days you're kind of like that. You have no idea. You think you failed. The truth is, if you're a Christian, you're promised, no, you are radiating light, whether you know it or not. And some days that light is brighter, and some days it's weaker. But all of us as Christians desire and want to radiate God's light. If we want to get better at doing that, how are you going to get better at doing that? You need to be in the light yourself. Right? You're not the light. You reflect the light. How are you going to reflect more light? You're in the light. You're in Jesus himself. You study his word. You meditate on his word. You pray to him. You say, Lord, help me to understand your word. The Psalms talk about um, the word being a living light, as we sang in Psalm 119. You will grow brighter in the Christian life the more that you are studying God's word and soaking it up, the more you're meditating on Jesus Christ and who he is and saying, God, please help me. Please help me as imperfect as I am to be more like Christ so that I can shine his light into the world. Now, you do this in simple ways. Maybe you don't always realize it in your lives when you are reflecting the light. Now, Marion's mom was here for a few days last week. She's not a believer. And, you know, we try to share with her, invite her to church, etc. But, you know, she was with us, and she's seeing us, how we live every single day as Christians. We pray at every meal. We have uh, a devotion that we read every night. We have family worship every night. We come to church on Sundays, etc., etc. What is God doing in our heart? We don't know. But we do trust that God is working through that in our lives. And we're trying to shed light into my mother-in-law so that one day, Lord willing, she'll come out of darkness. It's a very simple way. But you do this as well in your marriage. You live as a faithful spouse, a faithful, faithful couple. Unbelievers see how you're devoted to each other. You're, you're, you're not uh, selfish. You're giving of yourselves to your other spouse. You know, in our dating relationships, how you function as a couple with your chastity, how you're respecting each other, that's a witness to unbelievers. As a colleague or coworker in your workplace, your honesty as a Christian reflects uh, who God is as a God of truth. Your generosity as a believer towards other people will see, oh, that man loves or that woman loves God. Because God has given him or her much. That's why he's so generous. All these little ways add up over time. People see you as a Christian and how you live your life. You live it differently than the world around you because you're not darkness. You are in the light. 
And so again, our mission as a church requires us to shine the light of Christ with our lives. It's the first thing that Paul wants us to see here. But then he goes on. There's another part of our mission. Verses 11 through the first part of 14. Our mission requires us that we expose sin. Right out of the gate. Paul is really challenging these Ephesian Christians here. Because you see, it's not just enough to shine as light in the world and focus on your own spiritual development. Right? Shining your own light could in some ways be very inward focused in some ways. Paul's challenging these Ephesians though. You need to be proactive when it comes to the mission of the church. It's more than just shining a light. You need to understand what that light is doing. It's exposing sin. I think perhaps, perhaps, most Christians would actually be more comfortable with the first part of verse 11 than the second part of verse 11. I've kind of gone back and forth in this mind, over my mind over this in, this in this past week, but most Christians would look at the first part of verse 11 and says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And you say, okay, I can do that. Because that just, absolve, uh, uh, that just requires me to abstain from things, essentially, right? Don't take part in works of darkness. So I'm just going to not join in on that party. I'm just going to not join my coworkers when they're going to go out binge drinking. I'm just not going to go with my family and friends who want me to participate in some pagan festival. I'll just opt out. I actually don't think it's that easy, but sometimes as Christians, that's what we think. I think... I do think, though, it is a little bit harder to follow the second half of this verse, verse 11. Instead, expose the unfruitful works of darkness. So, oh, now you're telling me I need to be proactive. Church's mission depends on exposing the darkness of this world with the light of Christ and not taking part in unfruitful works of darkness. Let me pause here, because I think it's a lot confusing, actually, when you think about this, what Paul is saying. Because how are you supposed to, on the one hand, expose sin, but on the other hand, you're not supposed to have any part in darkness? Right? How, how, if you're not have any part in something, how can you actually be involved in exposing it? Paul, on the one hand, seems to be saying one thing, two different things. Well, I think some Christians, when we try to think about how should Christians be in the world and not of it, it's probably two extremes. One extreme of Christians would say, well, the church should be completely walled off from the outside world because the world is totally gone, totally fallen. They believe that Christians should just stay away from all worldly things, all worldly books and movies and TV, stay away from alcohol and stay away from playing cards and dancing and any of those things because it's just too worldly, right? So we need to wall ourselves off. And the danger of that as Christians is we just, we have a light, like a flashlight, but we're just in a closet. Like we're lighting up our personal closet and we've shut the door so hard, no light is getting out. The danger is how are you supposed to help bring people to salvation if you're not in contact with them at all, right? But the other extreme as Christians, the other opposite way we could go is that, you know, as Christians, we believe there's much common grace in this world and the the world has fallen in sin, but it's not as totally depraved as it could be. 
And so Christians have a duty to engage the world to redeem it, right? To transform the world for God's good. And the danger of this view is that many Christians can get so close to the darkness that they actually have stepped way out of the light. In my personal experience growing up, I grew up in a Christian tradition that was all about transforming, transformation, transforming the world. And while I think there's some good in that, our, our particular church and tradition was all about, you know, transforming politics, transforming music, transforming movies, transforming the arts and so on. But I watched as so many of my friends who grew up in the church got so close to the world that the world ended up transforming them rather than they transforming the world. So there's a danger on both sides here. But I think the, the way we can look at this is to really take, really take seriously Paul's call to not be a part of the darkness. The test for all of us, as one person said, is whether you're bold enough to call the darkness truly dark and expose it as evil. Are you, are you bold enough to say with Paul in verse 12 that sin is shameful? Are you bold enough to say sin is evil when it's evil? I think this would get a little uncomfortable for us. You don't expose sin by being entertained by sin. So are you bold enough when a TV show or a movie is just showing gratuitous sex and violence, are you bold enough to turn it off and watch something else? Rather than being entertained by sin, to realize you need to expose it, see the reality for what it is, and turn it off. You also don't expose sin if you're actively or passively endorsing it. What if you're bold enough to say something sin when it's sin? Are you bold enough to say that abortion is heinous? Are you bold enough to say that pornography is destructive and vile? Are you bold enough to say premarital sex and cohabitation before marriage is wrong, is sinful? Are you even bold enough to say that homosexuality and transgenderism is immoral and dangerous? Are you bold enough to say things like this, even publicly, when you're at risk of being labeled intolerant, when you're at risk of being labeled bigoted, when you're at risk of being labeled unloving and narrow-minded and on the wrong side of history? If you're a Christian, Paul's saying you have a duty not to be entertained by sin, not to be endorsing sin, not to be promoting it, not to be seen as a partner in it in any way, but instead you are to expose it in your life, even in the life of the church, times publicly in the lives of other people. A church that claims to be the church of Christ, but looks no different than the wicked world around it is not worthy of the name. Any church that tries to please and appease the sinful world around it is seriously at risk of undermining its own witness. I want to be clear here. As Christians, Paul's not saying you do not have a mandate 
to go out and just be antagonistic and hostile to everybody who's living sinfully in this world. Paul's not saying you need to unnecessarily be hostile towards people going around with a really sour face on and pointing and wagging the finger at everybody who's living immorally. You know, we don't go around as Christians just flagging people down and saying, don't do this, don't do that. Our goal, our goal in exposing sin is not to do that. It's not to cause unnecessary offense. But our mission as a church does require that we live in such a way that we seek to please God so that other people would take, take notice. We live our lives in a way, we call out sin amongst ourselves in a way where non-believers are going to take notice. That's Paul's point here. Now, are we going to get it perfectly as Christians? No. We're not perfect. We're trying to live more and more in the light. We're walking every day by faith that we would become more and more, more light. We get it wrong sometimes. That doesn't make us hypocrites. It makes us people seeking sanctification. But we live lives to a different tune to reflect the beauty of Christ to other people. And when we do, we sort of flick on the spiritual lights for other people to see their sin and misery, the pollution of their sin, the, the dirtiness of their sin. That's what Paul's getting at when he says in verses 13 and 14, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Kind of what Paul's saying there is like, a, the science of light is really interesting. You know, from a scientific perspective, disease flourishes in darkness. And most plants and animals are going to die or decay in darkness if they don't get some kind of light. Light, on the other hand, from darkness promotes life. It promotes health. Now, you've probably seen before black lights. Does anybody, you guys know what I'm talking about, black lights? Black lights are often used like at an amusement park. You get a stamp. You can't see it with your naked human eye, but they have this light, this black light they, sh- they shine, and you can see that stamp. Or forensic scientists. You ever seen these terrible TV shows about NCIS or whatever? I don't know what they are. They're investigating some murder. Forensic scientists have a UV light that they can use in a crime scene, and that light can expose human bodily fluids like blood and urine and all this gross stuff, right? Even if you clean it up with the, in the human eye, you can't see it. The UV light can still expose it. Or if you think of a, a hotel room, if you take a UV black light around your hotel room, uh, you might discover some interesting leftover human fluids that maybe you didn't want to know about in places you didn't want to see, but a UV black light is going to expose that. Paul is saying in a much, much greater way, when you live as a Christian, you expose that grossness, that dirtiness of pollution where people hadn't seen it before. They didn't know because they were in darkness. You shine the light into those corners and recesses of their heart and their lives. They suddenly are like, this is disgusting. I do not want to live like this. As a Christian, your job is to expose the darkness. As a faithful church, our mission is to expose darkness of sin in the world and in ourselves through direct contact or indirect contact. Our mission 
expose sin and shine the light of Christ. There's one more thing about this mission that I want us to see, that Paul wants us to see. And that's in the last part of verse 14. Our mission requires us to be alert. Paul doesn't leave us here, just expose sin and shine the light of Christ. Actually, there's a little bit more to it than that. Paul leaves the Ephesians and us with a very stirring wake-up call. It's like an alarm. Because he's aware that the Ephesian church, just like many churches today, a very dangerous tendency to kind of fall asleep at the wheel when it comes to fulfilling this mission, pursuing this mission. And we may know it, I need to be a light, I need to expose sin, but day to day, week to week, we just sort of get lackadaisical. Uh, we get focused on other things to the point where Paul says we're falling asleep. So as a church, Paul doesn't want us to be apathetic. He doesn't want us to be lazy. And so he says, verse 14, Therefore it says, Wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now there is a little question here. Uh, Paul's quoting something, it seems like. What's he quoting? Some people believe, oh, is he quoting like early Christian hymn or a creed? Um, I don't think there's any evidence for that. I don't think that's the case. Much more likely, Paul is paraphrasing Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, which says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. But either way you read it, Paul's point is clear. Wake up. Don't lie down in the darkness. Don't lie down on the job. You have work to do. So on the one hand, Paul's talking to believers here. He's talking to the church, saying, Christians, remember your mission. Expose the sin and be the light of Christ. You were darkness. You are no longer darkness. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. As Jesus said, if you're in me, you will bear much fruit. That's your job. That's your mission. Don't let your life grow dim. Be in the light of Christ so that you'll reflect the light more and more. But on the other hand, Paul's talking to unbelievers here as well. If you're not a Christian, these words are for you too, especially. If you've not come alive spiritually by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ... And Paul's word to hear you here is that you're still stumbling in darkness. You're still asleep, the Bible says. In in fact, Paul says you're dead in your sins and transgressions. Dead people can't save themselves. Those who are still in sin are under God's wrath and curse. We need the lights on. The good news for you today is if you are an unbeliever, the light of Christ is shining on you. Jesus' call to you today is very clear. Don't miss it. Don't be blind. Don't stop up your ears. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. Christ is a beautiful sun, a refreshing sun, restoring our soul, bringing us into fellowship with him, welcoming us by his grace 
purifying us, cleansing us from all that disgusting sin. I don't want to live in that kind of filth anymore once we see it. The dirtiness in my heart, the sin that I commit every single day, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live with the, the sin that we're plagued with, the, the lust, the anger, the frustration, the hate. God, I, I, I don't want to live like that anymore. Bring me out of that darkness. Give me new life. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's a promise. Christ will shine on you. You go to Christ. You plead to Him. Christ, please forgive me of my sins. And He will shine on you. He will lift you up out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. Never to return to that blinding darkness again. And one day, believer, when you come to Christ... We see through a glass dimly now. But you know the book of Revelation, what it says there? One day, when we are in the presence of God, when we are in the presence of Christ, we'll have no need of the sun. Because the perfect righteousness and glory of Christ will shine for us. You have a foretaste of that now. When you come to faith in Christ, the light of Christ will shine on you. This is the word for you today, a promise for you today. Church, for those who need to be coming to Christ, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. So the question I leave you with today, the question that Paul leaves to all of us, are you awake? Are you awake? I know you're sitting here breathing, but are you awake? Don't go back out in the darkness without waking up to the light of Christ. Are you awake? Amen, let's pray.